You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've tuned in. I began the show today talking about this push and pull between concern about the public health dynamics with the coronavirus pandemic and concern about the economy. I, again, think there is a fundamental disconnect in many ways between those of us who are experiencing incredible loss and are focused on that and also super focused on making sure that public health is elevated over everything else as we consider what we should be doing here. And those who believe that the economy is either just as important as those public health concerns or in some cases ought to take precedence. I think that's an important conversation, and I think that it absolutely has to come down on the side of public health. We have seen so many times in this country and right here in this very state what happens when we subdue the interests of public health in favor of money. I'm I'm thinking, of course, of the Flint water crisis, which still stands as one of the great mishaps of all time in government, in public administration, and in public health. I don't think it makes any sense to consider doing the same thing as a pandemic sweeps the globe. At the same time, it's reasonable to have a conversation about how we get things going again. What parts of the economy can we get going once we get the public health concerns under control. We are reaching that point in this pandemic where lots of people are reasonably asking when the right time is to open up the economy and how best to do it safely. Governor Gretchen Whitmer says there may be some relaxation of restrictions on the way after the stay-at-home order expires in just a couple of weeks. That's on May 1st. But there is another set of questions behind that. What would this even look like at this point? And what will our economy look like when it does start to open up again? What will be the short-term effects of what we've seen and what will be the long-term effects? That's where we want to continue the conversation here on Detroit Today. And joining us to shed some light on what we might have in store is Charles Ballard. He is a professor of economics at Michigan State University. Charlie, welcome back to Detroit Today. Stephen, thanks very much for having me. Yeah. So uh, first, let's start with you talking, frankly, about what has already happened in our economy so far with this pandemic. Let's talk about the national picture, and what's happened here in Michigan? Well, I mean, it, it is a stunning uh, decrease in economic activity. Um, the uh, shrinkage of our uh, output, of our domestic product, in, in the last month is about the same order of magnitude in, in one month that we, in percentage terms that we saw during three and a half years of the Great Depression. Um, uh, fortunately, we're starting from a much, much more affluent base than we were in 1929. But it's a it's a big percentage drop. Probably our economy is well more than 20 percent smaller than it was a month ago. And uh, you know, I can't sugarcoat that. I also can't sugarcoat the fact that we have now <clears throat> in Michigan lost more than all the jobs that we gained in the last 10 years. 
and nationally we've lost about the same number of jobs as we gained, as we gained in the previous 10 years coming out of the great recession so it's a it's a deep uh downturn having said that i have to agree with what you were saying uh as you brought us in uh um look if we had not taken these severe um uh, distancing measures uh the death count would be just uh 10 times as horrifying as it is now. And when we talk about 20% of the economy going away, give us an idea of what that looks like in practical terms. As we go back to the idea that we need commerce, as we go back to the idea that we need people's lives to come back together in some way that looks like normal, what's 20% uh, of of the economy being gone going to look like and feel like for people? Well, it already feels uh, very bad for those who are most uh, uh, most directly affected. So you've had the, the biggest losses, of course, have been anything associated with um, economic activity where people gather together in close quarters. So restaurants, bars, casinos, uh, hotels, uh, theaters, um, uh, air travel, those things have uh, shrunk dramatically. Uh, and, and that's where we've seen so many of the job losses. Uh, ironically, we've also seen a lot of job losses in the healthcare sector, uh, because while certain parts of our healthcare sector are on the brink of being overwhelmed, other parts nobody's doing their regular dentist visit or their, their annual checkup or, or uh, stuff like that. So allergists, dentists, uh, orthodontists have closed down and, and laid off people. So the sector, some sectors have been really walloped. Uh, a lot of our economy uh, keeps, keeps going. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a difficult mix. Uh, I think there is the hope that when we get to the point where the virus is somewhat more under control, um, some of those things will be able to open up quickly. Mm. Um, but let me put a, a footnote on that. Let's say that we get the all clear and that restaurants are all open up again. I'm not sure that everybody will flock back to them at the same way that they have been before, because people have been scared by this. My, my, uh, my evidence is after 9-11, you know, we had this one really bad day where four jetliners uh, were blown up. We didn't have another incident like that, but it took a couple of years before people got comfortable flying on aircraft again and, and the airplanes were, were full again. So there may be uh, some lingering psychological shock, which will mean that some people uh, – some things may take time. There's, there are things that I think may bounce back quickly. Other things may bounce back more slowly. Mm. Uh, this is Detroit Today and on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Charles Ballard. He's a professor of economics at Michigan State University. We're talking about the idea of reopening the economy. When Once we do decide to try to go back to commerce, what will that look like? What will be gone? What will be changed? What will it require of us in terms of trying to get things going again so that there are sufficient uh, exchanges of money and goods so that uh, the economy is 
headed in the right direction again. We also want to hear from you if you are somebody who is sort of thinking through this process of reopening the economy and balancing it against the public health concerns. Are you eager to see the economy and our society up and open again? Do you wish the governor had maybe allowed more businesses to operate as usual under her stay-at-home order? Or do you support what the governor is doing and think that this pandemic requires extreme measures, extreme restrictions? I think there are really important arguments to be had about those two priorities. Uh, Again, though, I think that there is no question that elevating public health to the top priority was the right thing for the governor to do, both when she issued her initial order and, I think, when she extended that order. Uh, There are a lot of people who disagree, though, and I get that. Uh, I really want to hear from you as well. What do you think we should have done instead? Make your argument to us here and uh, we will absolutely listen and engage in a constructive dialogue about that. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page or to Twitter. Put comments there, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Also, give us a, give us a call, as always, and just let us know how you're doing through all of this. So many changes that we're dealing with and so much loss that so many of us are dealing with because of this pandemic. I mean, it is just incredible each day to pick up the phone or go to the computer and notice who's sick, who's dying, or who's just gone. It is uncomparable, incomparable, really, to anything that I have ever experienced before. I know there are lots of other people having those experiences, and we would love to hear from you about just how you're managing all of it. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number. Let's go to Chris in Detroit. Chris, welcome to the program. Hey, Stephen. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for having this conversation. You know, I listen to your show pretty much every day because you you really are my favorite you know, Detroit media personality because you uh, bring on the kind of guests that are necessary in order to have a really good, you know, civil discourse about what's going on in society. So, um, you you know, I just wanted to, you know, add here, you know, you you started off the show with, I feel like, a very genuine and impassioned um, piece, you know, about where you're at, you know, in your mind about the situation. Um, Obviously, this is really disconcerting to a lot of people. I'm assuming you know people personally who have passed um, and, um, I don't actually know anyone personally who has passed, but mm-hmm. I have you know, friends that are healthcare workers that are on the front lines. My best friend is an emergency room physician. My cousin is a nurse. Um, this is a very real situation and I'm taking it very seriously. That said, you know, in your, in your beginning piece, you mentioned that, you know, you're not, you're having a hard time identifying basically with people who are talking about the importance of the economy. And so I I do think that it is all of our responsibility to try to have a rational conversation and to try to understand our fellow person and where they're coming from, because the economy, it's it's not about just health versus the economy. Um, You know, the economy is not just for rich people. The economy is also for regular people, too. Um, I have a couple of really good friends that have been laid off from retail jobs, one of them just had a brand new baby literally like three weeks ago. Oh. His wife does not work, so he is the only breadwinner. 
Hmm. Another friend, his wife died of cancer earlier this year, and he was the only breadwinner as well. Um, and, you know, so a lot of these jobs may or may not come back. And this is a personal crisis for a lot of these people as well. I also live near the Livernois Seven Mile Exchange. Mm -hmm. And there, I think about all of these small businesses that are going to be facing very tough times, many of which just made a very, you know, huge personal commitment to debt in order to be able to, you know, you know, bring their, their businesses on board. Many of them had to take out loans because of the construction work out sure. here. Yeah. You know, my, my wife is, is a, a mental health care worker, and mental health care requires tax dollars, and the tax dollars come from the economy. Yeah. And so, you know, furthermore, I read an article yesterday in Bridge Magazine about a bunch of rural hospitals in northern Michigan that are thinking they may have to shut down hospitals because there's not enough outpatient activity going on in elective um, surgeries so that they're facing huge cash crunches. So, again, it's not just about a binary, you know, the coronavirus and health and you know, versus the economy. It really has to be synergistic. So, yeah. you know, to your initial point, all I would say is we have to try to understand where each other are coming from, yeah. even though that we don't really immediately identify with. Chris, I really do appreciate your calling and, and saying all of the things that, that you said. And, you know, I, I can't argue with any of it. I, I think where I'm coming from and where a lot of people are right now is about how we prioritize those two things, right? What is it that we're most concerned about? What is it that is sort of occupying uh, not just our minds, but our actions right now in terms of making sure that things come back together. I am absolutely aware of and frightened by the economic damage this is doing. There's no question about it. And I'm really worried that it won't all come back together, uh, not just in the short term, but in the long term without a lot of additional pain. And And I would never suggest that that's not an important consideration or that we ought to sort of brush it aside. At the same time, I think there is this need, there's an imperative to put public health at the top of that list of priorities. And that for me means, first of all, you know, making choices that, that elevate public health and having people abide by them, but it also means talking about the things that are going on from a public health perspective and from an emotional perspective, the losses that people are enduring. I think that there is a, a time for that to, this is the time for that to be the focus of our attention because this thing is still with us. It is thankfully not growing as fast as it was in this state as it was just a week or two ago, but it is taking from us in, in such an incredible way. Um, but Chris, I really do appreciate the call and your comments. Charlie Ballard, I wonder if you have a reaction to, to Chris's analysis of all of this. Well, first of all, I want to uh, say uh, to, to Chris, who said that he's near Seven Mile in Livernois, he's, that means that he's within a few blocks of where my mom grew up. Uh, so... <laughs> Um, it's also a few uh, anyhow, blocks from where I live, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, I don't think that the two of you are saying dramatically different things. Hmm. 
nobody is very few are saying ignore public health let's get get the economy revved up again and if people uh, i mean a few commentators on the far right have said you know if if thousands and thousands and thousands of people die well that's that's the way it goes but um i don't i think that's a minority view and i think that very few people i mean you're not saying that you don't care about the economy no I'm not saying that I don't care about the economy. It's how do you find the right balance. One of the things that I think needs emphasis is that to a very large extent here, dealing with the public health crisis is dealing with the economy. Yes. Because, um, you know, when somebody dies, that's an economic cost. Mm -hmm. When somebody's in the hospital for, for weeks, on a respirator, that's a huge economic cost. So if we can slow the spread of the virus, that's doing us, that's saving us a horrible economic cost. So that's one, uh, one thing. Also, of course, you know, we have had a public policy response. It was way too slow. Mm-hmm. But when it finally got going, the, uh, the fiscal and monetary authorities, the Federal Reserve has injected hundreds of billions of dollars of cash into the economy to try to keep things afloat. And then there was the uh, uh, the CARES Act with uh, a whole variety of uh, support for people who are unemployed, support for small businesses, for hospitals, for research. Uh, and, and so um, I think after a very slow start, uh, our public policies are now moving more or less in the right direction. And I do think it will be possible before too long to begin to relax some of these restrictions. But I would warn, if we relax them all at once uh, before we have adequate testing and way before we have a vaccine, sometime we will be back to exactly where we are now and we will have sacrificed all of those lives and not saved the economy. So we have to be thoughtful and careful. Also, take a step-by-step approach. You know, open some up, see how how it is one or two weeks later and then gradually do this it's not it's not all all one at a time yeah yeah uh again chris really appreciate the call and the comments let's go to frank in detroit frank welcome to the show good morning uh steve hey. uh, congratulations continues on the good journalism that you're doing with your program thank you um so i'm a retired auto worker i know that there are currently plans among the uh, Detroit Three to uh, reopen the plants on May 4th. And I'm really very concerned, especially in talking to other auto workers, about whether the facilities will be, in fact, um, safe uh, for workers to to work in regards to Hmm. uh, physical distancing, in regards to uh, testing of uh, employees for the coronavirus, in regards to contact tracing, I know of a situation at a GM plant in uh, in Grand Rapids where, in fact, a a worker, a shop chairman of the UAW local uh, unit there uh, alerted uh, other workers about that uh, workers were being walked out uh, who were suspected of uh, having contracted the coronavirus, and for his uh, troubles, he was fired. Mm. So I'm um, very concerned about what the approach is going to be by management and the union in regards to making sure that when workers return, 
to the auto plants that they're going to be safe and they're not going to be risking their lives. And is May 4th an actually uh, appropriate date? Yeah. Yeah. Great question, Frank. I appreciate the call. Uh, uh, Charlie Ballard, I, I wonder what you make of Again, this this idea that we could just go back and start things over, an auto plant's a really good example of the kind of work environment that I think has to be really different in the future because of what's going on. I think Frank's concern is perhaps those changes aren't aren't ready yet, so maybe we're not ready to go back to having people work in places like that. I think um, it's a very good point. I think that um, you're you're completely right. Until we have a vaccine, I mean, we're we're not going to defeat this virus until we have a vaccine and just about everybody gets vaccinated. That's going to be, from what I understand from the scientists, that's going to be at least a year. In the the interim, I think as we open up things like auto plants, we're going to see them operating – sort of in the way that grocery stores are are now. At least uh, the grocery stores that that I have been to uh, here in the uh, East Lansing, Okemos area, uh, everybody's wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the people who are stocking the shelves are wearing gloves. There's a lot of disinfecting going on. Uh, so, sometimes there's a, a, a barrier between the cashier and the customer. Um, I think it's going to be like that in an awful lot of businesses uh, as we as we go forward. It will have to be like that because if we don't, and we may have to have uh, you know limits on okay, only some so many people in the facility at a time, uh, uh, rules about the spacing of employees, um, and uh, you put all those things together with especially with testing testing. If we can get our testing ramped up, that solves a lot of our problem because then we can more accurately identify who has the virus and who doesn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but what that means is let's say that auto plant is open, and maybe it's May 4th, maybe it's not, but sometime it'll be open. It will not look the same as it looked two months ago. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Charlie Ballard about the economy and what it will look back look like when it opens back up. We'll continue to hear from you as well, Derek in Northwest Detroit, John on the East Side, Billy in Detroit. We'll hear from you next as well. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm really glad you've joined us. My guest is Charles Ballard. He's a professor of economics at Michigan State University. We're talking about the idea of reopening the economy in the wake of the pandemic of the coronavirus. What's it going to look like? How will things get back 
to the commerce and the trade and all of the things that keep our economy going. What will it be like for us in the short term and in the long term in the future? As always, we want to hear from you on the phones, 313-577-1019. What is your sense of what the right timing is to go back to some of the things that we've given up to try to curb the spread of the coronavirus? And tell us how confident you are that things will be okay. Give us a sense of what's going on in your life. Have you lost a job because of this? Has your business had to close because of this? How will you put those things back together when we get back to life as quote-unquote normal? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to include you. Let's go to Billy in Detroit. Billy, welcome to the show. Hello. Hi. How's it going? Good. Yeah, I just wanted to try to get out to who it may concern that, you know, good ideas are often counterintuitive. This good ideas come from a deep analyzation of data. Mm. It should be the norm. It is often not the norm, but it takes a lot of patience and the realization of the time that it takes to develop a response to something as complex as this. And for uh, so many of the people that we have around us to be so frivolous in their concerns and, and, and just go for what they want to be the truth rather than be patient and understand that the truth comes only by great analytics. Why is this such a terrible, terribly, especially in this modern era of technology, why is this such a terribly difficult thing to get past people's mm. ideas? Yeah. Uh, great question, Billy. I, I really like the way you're kind of approaching the question here. Uh, Charles Brella, some of the accusations against the governor have been that this has been to knee-jerk on her part. In other words, that, that rather than thinking it through, she reacted to the explosion of cases and perhaps overreacted. My sense is, from an economic perspective, that, that there has been a lot more thought put into this and that there is now, that, that, that they're thinking about ways that the economy can come back, but that they're trying to balance that against, against public health concerns. That's a challenge for any politician in in office. It's a particularly difficult one now. But but I wonder what your sense is of how she's balanced those two. Uh, you know, um, I I should make a, a full disclosure. Uh, uh, Gretchen Whitmer is from East Lansing. Yes. Uh, I've known her for years. She represented me in the state legislature for fourteen years. So, um, um, with that said, I, I think that. He, you know, you're right. Um, this this didn't come from five minutes and then you make a snap judgment. This was the decisions that were made were made over a um, period of time looking at the data as they can't come in. I think it's incumbent upon our uh, elected officials to listen to the science, to um, look at the data, and to... Um, make their decisions not on the basis of uh, knee-jerk uh, gut reactions, but on the basis of careful thought. And I think that's pretty close to what we've had. Sure, I think uh, we can quibble about the details. 
uh, you know, there's there's some quibbling about uh, the restriction on people going to their second home. Mm-hmm. But of course, a lot of the people up north want to keep want to restrict access to those because they're afraid that the virus, which is much more prevalent in southern Lower Michigan, will uh, then explode in the north. Um, you, there's a lot of talk about garden centers and lawn mowing services. I think those may be among the first things to reopen. To come back, but, sure. Yeah, but, but remember, you know, most of the economy is still going on. Thank goodness we now have so many people with good Internet access that we're able to do a lot of things remotely. Mm-hmm. And I think that this will greatly strengthen the argument that's been made for years that we really need to address the digital divide much more than we have before. We need to get to the point where every Michigander has full access to high-speed Internet because we may, we may uh, you know, we don't think that this is the last virus. We may be in a situation like this again, yeah. and we need everybody to be able to work remotely to the greatest extent possible. Mm, yeah. I mean, the, the idea of the long-term possibility of having to do so many things online that we used to do in person, including work and school, I think is one of the things that, uh, that has got to be considered as we, as we go back to quote-unquote life as, as normal, that, that uh, because of this pandemic and, as you point out, the possibility of future ones, that we just have to be better prepared in that in that way. Uh, let's go to Derek in Northwest Detroit. Derek. Welcome hey, good morning, fellas. How are you all today? Good. How are you? I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm fair. I'm, I'm fair for a square. I um, want to say, um, first, I agree that the economy does need to get back. We need to go to work. But for the health reasons, I understand and I appreciate um, why we have to, you know, limit our movement if we have to move, move at all. Um, also, while I respect the people who have the right to protest, um, my problem with that is that they all tend to look like many Trump rallies. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, the thing you notice that, Derek? <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, they, they have Trump Pence um, flags. They have Confederate flags. They None of that has to do with the economy yeah. and getting us back to work. And also, first and foremost, the health crisis. I mean... I understand that because I'm in a dire strait myself, but I'd rather be healthy and then, you know, get back to work than rush back out to work and then I die or one of my family members died, and that's counterproductive. Mm-hmm. But the politicization of it, and, of course, you know who in the White House is stoking this. Sure. Um, I wish that that would not be a part of it because those people who were protesting, though, is their right, and I agree with their right, too. They were not doing what we were supposed to do the social distancing thing that everyone yeah, wearing glass yeah. gloves and masks they yeah. weren't doing that so they even put themselves into more danger they were taking when a they lot do of, go back up north they were taking a lot of risks derek i yeah I, I agree thanks very much for the call and the and the comments charles i've got about 30 seconds left but the, the idea of the economy and public health as political issues is one of the other real tension points here i think it it we always say it shouldn't be, but, you know, politics is always with us and it infects everything. And I think it leads us to the bad decision making. Well, uh, we're feeling our way along in an unprecedented situation. I think we're much more headed in the right direction than we were a month ago when we were so slow to respond to this crisis. But 
um, you know, it's a balance, and we're going to be trying to feel our way to that balance in the in the coming uh, days. Yeah. Okay, Charles Ballard, professor of economics at MSU. Always great to talk to you. Thanks for being here. Thank you. That's going to do it for me today. Come back tomorrow for a conversation with two of my favorite people, the co-hosts of the podcast In the Thick, Maria Hinojosa and Julio Ricardo Varela, to talk about how the pandemic is affecting communities of color and undocumented immigrants.